Welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. My name is Camille Joy and I'm the host of this show. This podcast is dedicated to a very special group of parents, parents raising children with disabilities. There are an estimated 240 million children across the globe living with disabilities. And here on this podcast, it is my goal to create community for the parents raising them. Community locking arms from all over the globe. I pray that as you listen to each episode that has been handcrafted for you, you leave encouraged, you leave strengthened, you leave educated, and you even leave with some resources. So come on into the room, take off your shoes, relax, come on and take a seat on the couch and let Let's experience moments of joy. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Moments of Joy podcast. I'm very, very excited about today's episode because we as parents, we have an opportunity today to be educated on another level. And I always love um, hearing from people who are autistic themselves. So today, my guest that I have with us, her name is Tiffany, and she is an autistic Black woman, and I am excited to have her today. So welcome to the show. Would you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hello, I am Tiffany, or more widely known as TJant. I am the creator from the social media platforms, Nye Functioning Autism. My pronouns are she, her, they, he, them. I am a mother to two neurodivergent teens and a preteen. I was first diagnosed on the autism spectrum at age 19, although back then, they called it Asperger's and then again in my 30s. I was diagnosed with autism-adjacent things as a child though like ADHD and auditory processing disorder. Similar to my ASD diagnosis, I was diagnosed with epilepsy and OCD late even though I had clear signs of both as a child. I am an AAC user generally in some settings and use mouth words in other settings. Today, I might be using both. Well, thank you so much. I am, I always feel like I get emotional um, because of so many layers to who you are. I remember the first time hearing you um, on Clubhouse and I think I was crying, but I'm having that similar feeling now just because you were the first person I met that had an AAC device and you know, you are doing so much work as a black woman who is autistic. And I just, my heart is touched. So you, you talked a little bit to us about um, your diagnosis. You were 19 years old. And how do you, how did you feel knowing that that was your diagnosis? The first time, I was near the end of my freshman year in college. I had just turned 19. My grades were great in high shoe I, and I couldn't figure out how to be a semi-adult and everything just stopped. I stopped leaving my dorm room at all. I was sleeping maybe four to five hours a week, and my next-door neighbor in the dorm was the floor RA, in charge of all the people on that floor. She was in her senior of psychology and told me I need to see the psychology department. After all of the diagnoses that time, I was depressed and embarrassed for a really long time. The next time, I was in my 30s. Both times were in the midst of mental health crises. 
The first time, my anxiety and depression was so out of hand that it was really glossed over by me and the university psychologist. I remember being told Asperger's meant I was, meant I was socially different and smart. I knew that, so I never paid attention, especially since I was not functioning at all, hence the handle name, Nigh Functioning Autism. I, I want to add that I, I was both times embarrassed and ashamed because I had planned on in my adulthood changing so many things about myself that I thought were wrong. And um, wow. when I figured out it was autism, those were like all the things I wanted to change about myself. So at that time, I had just learned that I was the worst version of who I thought I would become. Um, I don't feel that way now, but yeah. Wow. That is just, that is so deep. I'm going to try to hold it together. I'm not going to cry, but I just wonder how many other children and young adults just go under the radar and are possibly never diagnosed. How would you describe your schooling years, um, maybe before college and how can parents make sure that they advocate for their children? And middle school in Colorado, where I was born. I attended high school in Virginia. In school, the supports I received were weekly social skills pullouts, and I believe it was some kind of speech therapy or where I would work on listening skills. I also has classroom accommodations for central auditory processing disorder that I was actually too embarrassed to use. Other than that, School was my favorite place to be because it had all of the math and reading. I loved all things academic, but I didn't have close friends in elementary school. I didn't even care to have friends. I was at school to read things, play with letters, and pick out cool books from the library. High school was fun too for the same reason, but I was also great at soccer and sports kept me going through some tough years because my academic grades were harder to keep up with as my ADHD really got much worse. After high school, I went directly to college out of state and wasn't able to keep up the demands. I left right freshman year and eventually went back and got my bachelor's after having my kids. I think for parents to advocate properly in school settings, they need to know which techniques are used on their kids. For instance, many autistic adults who went through social skills therapies, aka focused ABA, think back to it and it was traumatic. I didn't. I feel they were helpful to me. But also, it was play-based with non-disabled peers in my mainstream classes. The bad techniques make a child feel like they have to change themselves. Mine, I recall, I recall, Felt like a play session with my therapist just talking to me and the two different peers that came with me each session. Parents also need to ensure that every single person on their child's team presumes competence, no matter how that child presents to the world. Everyone, meaning all therapists, all educators, even the principal and fellow students. I went to an inclusive elementary and we were told our non-speaking peers understand everything just like us.
I realize now how lucky my education was because I talk to people daily that swear their kid or student can't understand, can't learn, will never read, etc. Parents need to look inside themselves if they believe that because they can't advocate for their child feeling that way. The way they think of their kid will color their interactions with their child and their team. That will shape their child's entire childhood, for good or bad. Parents have to decide which way they will go and not just wait and see how their child develops. Because their feelings will determine a good portion of said development. You do a lot of advocacy work for adult autistics. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I, I just, while I was listening, I said, Camille, allow yourself to feel during this episode. Like, so I'm going to give myself permission to do that. Because I'm not going to hold back my tears if I feel like I want to. You said so much. And I I love that you sh- started off by showing us who you are. You have your bachelor's. And that's more than a lot of people who aren't even, who are typical. You, you maneuvered through um, all of this and found your way. And not only have this platform today, but you were successful before the platform. And so in that little snippet, you gave us so much. And and I'm even going to go back and write this down and put it in my journal as I, you know, raise Mason. Because there are so many parents, they're just so afraid. And so, you know, advocacy, that means you have to be in their face. And so many parents are afraid of that. Um, and so you, you really gave us a lot to work with there. Um, so you do a lot of work for autistic adults. Um, how can we as parents become allies to the community and not ableist? That was a big question for me. The main way is what I mentioned before. Presume competence. That mean to know your loved one can understand, can learn if taught the best way for them, and not think of them as some locked in genius, but just a person who can't choose the right answers or speak because their bodies are very disorganized and don't listen to their commands. Also, don't get into back and forth with people in this community. Yeah. Okay. I receive. Uh, mm-hmm. It's... Uh... Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of time is wasted on autistic people hating parents and professionals and families hating autistic people we have too many things in common like needing services housing access to real academic education communication etc let the other people fight it out because we need more people in this space that want to actually to actually get things done. Our energy is wasted fighting strangers who would be really nice in person if they weren't behind a keyboard and screen. Ooh. I work in my local state and community. Families, professionals, and disabled people alike tend to get along in real life and we can think of solutions to help everyone and every stakeholder in our communities. I just read a quote that says, May your convictions be strong, but your opinions soft. That's everything to me. I have heard the... Wow. 
Wow, may your convictions be strong and opinions soft. I think you gave us a lot there to work with because um, there is a lot of back and forth and there is a lot of arguing. Um, And early on, I made it a point to not do that and to listen, right? Because um, just as a black woman, you know, we advocate for ourselves sometimes all of our life. And when someone doesn't listen, you know, they're not helping. They can't say they're an ally to our community and you don't get the first cue and that's to listen. So, and then you make the change, no matter what it feels like, you make the change because your child is a part of this community. And I, and again, I relate it back to African-American. It's the same as when someone has an African-American child, but they may be a white woman. You can't just, you know, say, well, forget this. Your child's a part. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. So um, I've heard the term ableist thrown around a lot, but I think parents, they don't even know what the term means. And can you help us to understand the puzzle piece and why it's so harmful? Um and why we should use the infinity symbol. Ableism is just like any ism, basically. It means that one group feels superior to another just because they exist in what they deem is a better human state than others. For ableism, it means that non-disabled people assume they are better because they are not disabled. They assume disability is a worse state of being human than people with no disability or only with certain disabilities. Some common examples I see way too often from non-disabled people or families themselves, so being sad your child has a disability is one. It assumes we have terrible, full of struggle lives. Lives. I grew up with disabled family members. We have autism, epilepsy, and physical disabilities in my family for generations, and I also grew up with disabled peers as my school was fully inclusive. Our lives can be awesome. We can like or love our disabled lives even with the struggle. It's like, we know as black people that to have black children in this country, in this world actually, might be harder because of global white supremacy. Do we get sad that our kids are brown? No, we teach our kids about the world and we have amazing culture that has formed out of struggle. Knowing a part of my life will be harder doesn't make me not want to be black. I mean at some points in my life, many of us do feel this way, but we accept it, find our people who also do, contribute to this beautiful black culture, and think hey, I love being black. So just because a kid states at some point they don't want to be disabled or feel that way, we must recognize that's not the disability, that is society. It's not me being black that's hard, it's the white supremacist system. It's the ableist system. Some might feel they are the same. Like, why would I want to bring a very disabled person in a world that teases, Mm. makes accessibility hard, and treats people like nothing? Those are great points, but like other minority identities, we learn to love our lives, we learn to adapt and accommodate ourselves. And those are the things we are culturally taught as black people. And those are the very concepts that non-disabled parents can teach their kids over time. Parents need to be empowered to do so. But they can't have feeling like their kids will have terrible lives Mm. just for existing. Existing. 
Another form of ableism is oralism, or the ableist idea that. So it's the idea that being able to speak is better, and that's not true. Okay. So what a lot of people are forced to do um, is try to speak in therapy, um, even if even if they're deaf or hard of hearing, and um, when really they could be using something easier to communicate, like for deaf and hard of hearing people, sign language or anybody actually, any kind of um, person that has the motor skills to do so, or in, instead of introducing AAC, they might, um, they might just try to work on the child's speech. But the whole time, the ch people, humans have to communicate. That everybody has to communicate. The sooner you can communicate, the better. And <clears throat> you talked about the, the puzzle piece mm -hmm. and why it's so harmful. It's because it represents a point in disability history when people who had, they couldn't control their bodies or they were physically disabled <coughs> or they were non-speaking, they would be locked away in institutions. So the puzzle pieces were created um, as a way to say a person is not whole, like they're missing something because they have a disability. So <clears throat> it constantly reminds, um, especially autistic people, of, of that. It reminds us of people who think that still today and people who wave it gloriously just because they can. They don't feel they have to care about autistic people's feelings. And since that is always a reminder to those of us in this space, um, I liken it to the Confederate flag. <clears throat> yeah. For most of us, mm -hmm. when we see it, it reminds us of that history and the type of people who wave it proudly. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't, I don't care about the puzzle piece to be honest, but I would never use it because I know that is a very harsh reminder to some people. Just like when I see somebody with a Confederate flag, I, I, I think that they don't care about me because they, they know it hurts and they still do it. And that's the same way with the puzzle piece. If you know it hurts somebody and you're just doing it, I, I don't I don't understand that mentality. Well, thank you so much. I'm gonna make sure I highlight that piece because um for many of us we not we don't understand the root. Um, I just made it a choice to not use it because hearing parents, hearing autistic individuals over and over, and I knew that I wanted to be an ally and not an ableist, 
I just said, well, let me not use it. But I never knew the deep why. And so you explaining today, um, I believe this episode is going to help so many parents not only know how to, you know, help their child along the journey more, but just truly understand this walk of, of the people who are walking it. And I think sometimes we have such an opinion um, and we confuse the two because we're not walking it. We're, we're assisting and we're caregiving, but we are not autistic. So um, I believe it's going to be so impactful. Um, so I, I mentioned before, I remember meeting you on Clubhouse, well, online, hearing you <laughs> in one of our rooms in the Real Moms Club, and you spoke. And that was the first time that I had ever even heard of an AAC device. Um, and so when it was presented to me at Mason's ABA Center when he was, uh, well, last year, um, that he would use one, I felt comfort in knowing you because I, I remembered you. And so um, for those who don't know what it is, what is an AAC device? You know, what is nonverbal or, and are you nonverbal? I, I am not nonverbal. I'm not non-speaking. Um, there are times after just certain days that I can't speak. So I would say I'm more unreliably speaking. Um, but I do prefer AAC because uh, speech is exhausting. Okay. Um, but AAC stands for um, augmentative and alternative communication, although I prefer the second A being adaptive or um, uh, uh, what is it? assistive because speech is not, it's not the the best form of communication for everybody um, for various reasons. So speech is just another equally um, equal communication to the others. So um, I don't like saying it's an alternative to speech. I just like saying it's an adaptive um, communication or an assistive communication. Um, in fact, Many of us find speech very exhausting, and it will um, it will make the day very hard. Mm. I'm having to do it all day. Wow. So AAC is perfect, and AAC isn't just a high tech device. Um, it can be texting. It's social media. It's um, social media is like a mass assistive communication, mm -hmm. um, but it can be pointing to pictures. It can be um, writing back and forth. So it, it really, there's so many, like maybe unlimited ways um, of AAC. It's just better to know that speech is just one of the many types of communication. Yeah, that's, that's extremely helpful. Um, because sometimes when I pick Mason up from school, his teacher will say, Mason, say hi, mommy. Sometimes he'll say it, and sometimes he's like, 
Like you could tell. It's like, it's okay. But now that even gives me, you know, a reason to, you gave me so much to even talk to the teachers about. One thing that I know is that even just because someone's a teacher doesn't mean they, or a special education teacher doesn't mean they have the knowledge. Um, I would say they especially hmm. don't have it generally because what they're taught in college and what the people who taught their teachers and the people who taught their teachers and the researchers, they are not disabled. They are not autistic. So they're looking at things from the outside. And I would say like 80% of the time they're wrong about the feelings or the causes of of the behaviors or I don't even like the word behaviors, but um, they're, they're wrong about what it feels like to, um, to do these things. They, they attach meanings to certain things that we do that are inactive. Right. Right. And then they teach the teachers Mm -hmm. and those teachers, you know, deal with students inaccurately. And one thing that I'm learning now is I I met a scientist who's at school at Yale studying to be a doctor, and she is doing a study. And she's doing a study because what she found is that, you know, people that are going to school to be speech therapists and um, neurological, they're studying neurology. They All of their data is based off of the white male and we are not yes. the ones that participated mm-hmm. in the study. That's another thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that, that, that is a lot to take in, but it's the truth. Um, and you were saying that Mason sometimes says it and sometimes just gets mm-hmm. annoyed with it because the teacher knows it's hard yeah. for him. Like, why is she saying that? Like, yeah. If, if you know something's hard for somebody, or some days it might work for him, and some days he can't get it because the feeling of where to put your body, so like where to put your tongue or to mm. breathe, they're different every day. And some days it works, some days it does not. Thank you. That's really good. And it helps me to advocate for him better. And um, and he really yes. should have a device now. Now I know that he really, really needs to have one everywhere, and not just sometimes. Yeah, everywhere. So thank you. Um, and I was waiting for the school system to buy his prolocal, but I think I'm just gonna buy it. It's better if you have full control yeah. of it, because I have my non-negotiables when it comes to mm-hmm. AC kids should have access to customizing their not only the app but also the ipad they need camera functions Mm -hmm. which a lot of aac apps have it built in but if you get it from like um, insurance or school sometimes they lock that and i believe in teaching kids to use cameras Um, for for safety because if you can't talk I'm not saying you should use a camera but you should know how to use it in emergencies Mm 
or when something's happening that you that you think your parent might need to know. Um, also, if they have cameras, like kids will take pictures, like a million pictures of the things they mm -hmm. love. So if your kid is non-speaking, that will give you more idea of the things mm -hmm. they like. Oh, wow. Um, they need to have access to texting and sharing um, because you can use push on the buttons. You don't necessarily have to know how to read. You can push on the buttons and send texts to family members. Um, and that's another safety thing. So I don't, I don't feel like the school devices and insurance devices are, if they should not be locked, if a parent gets them, they should not, they should have access to the full, full iPad, full device, all the settings mm -hmm. and stuff. And a lot of times they don't yeah, have that. You're absolutely right. They are locked. I, I saw another mom. TikTok, and she was trying to see how long they were at on his device at school. She said it, it should say hours. It only said 15 minutes. So you're right. And, and you just empowered me more. And I hope that other parents are really empowered and have learned so much. And, you know, you may need to listen a few times to this to take it in. Um, and so you're a mom. How has communication to teachers and other school officials been as a person who is using a device? So that has been tough. Um, in IEP meetings, I have felt like I'm condescended to um, in my my two kids early elementary school years, um, and even some of the middle school, but not really. Um, it's not like that anymore. Um, but a lot of the issues I had was I, I didn't know about AAC until like four years ago, or didn't think about using it because I can mm -hmm. speak. Um, mm -hmm. But in those situations, I cannot. So I'm not really advocating for my child because my my brain and, and mouth and body have shut down. Mm -hmm. So um, now it is easier, but the main thing that made it easier was that my kids switched school areas and they moved from a bad, um, from people I didn't know were bad until I had the good. Um, but we're in a, an area now where it's, not ableist. I don't feel like I'm condescended to. I feel they understand um, autism and my kids' other disabilities well. So it's so much easier when I'm comfortable. Yeah. Um, are your children autistic? And how has um, you being an autistic person helped, you know, guide your children? So uh, my two are, I have two, I have three that are all neurodivergent, um, but I have two autistic mm -hmm. kids. And I would say being autistic myself, um, just like in, in advocacy for my children, I have some automatic benefits, like when people are telling me stuff that a parent who isn't autistic would maybe like 
freak mm -hmm. out about or feel anxious about or feel judged about, I can easily filter um, if people know what they're talking about and if I should mm. listen or not. And I, I wouldn't get anxious about the things they say because I know way more right. than them. Um, so that is a benefit. Um, but a lot of times, um, not just autistic parents, but uh, non-disabled parents or neurotypical parents, um, they can have clashing sensory issues with their kids. So being in an autistic household, um, for me, as somebody who doesn't, who can't hear more than one voice at a time without feeling really overwhelmed um, or I don't like being, I don't like people being too close to me. So with three kids, all that can be um, a minefield, but also being autistic all this time, I have learned how to accommodate myself for the most part. So it's, there are, pros and cons. Okay. I um I didn't ask you this question ahead of time, but you saying that um Mason is like that and he he does not like to hear more than one person talking at the same time. So if me and my husband are having a conversation, he'll cry. We have to be quiet and yeah. have the conversation later. Or sometimes if we're watching a movie, we have to listen to it through headphones so that it doesn't bother him. But I notice in school, um, they combine classrooms. So now they have nine children. And Mason has a harder time because before he had four. So what can I do to make sure he's supported in school? Because I think that's happening at school. Um, the main thing is, and this might take some time, is to make sure that he can use sensory tools like um, headphones that might take some time to mm -hmm. get used to um, or um, teach him to cover his ears. And that is a, once he covers his ears, that is a signal for him or his, the people around him that he needs to go out of that environment or find something to um, help. If, but that, that helping part will come as, will come with more time. Um, and yeah, the, the covering the ears thing is, is a good signal to himself and to others. But if he, I don't know if he covers his ears no. naturally. Okay, yeah. So when he's feeling that way, like put his hands up and teach him to okay. cover his ears. And then the next step would be to, um, once he notices that he's covering his ears, once that's like second mm -hmm. nature, um, now you work on getting a sensory break or telling his teachers, 
you know, he needs a break. Okay. I don't know if they have sensory rooms. Or I, I don't think he, they have sensory rooms, he, but I've been sending items like his vest and his um, blanket. Yeah. And toy. He, he would probably need to get out of the situation. Okay. Yeah. Like maybe they can walk around in the hallway or go to, they should have a quiet yeah. room. They should have I'm a going meeting. To, I'm going to have a meeting. <laughs> now, I'm going to have a meeting after this episode. I'm like, okay, Mason is not being supported enough. I'm I'm full of I'm full yeah. of knowledge now. I'm going to listen again and um and support that little guy. So, thank you. Um do you have meltdowns? That was that was my last question. And um So this will tie into being a black autistic person. I don't know about any other race, but I do know that as a black adult, I cannot have those type of meltdowns that look like aggression or anger. That that's not that's not the way to that's not I can't. So um I do have meltdowns, but they are more um, internalized into what we call shutdowns. Uh, the last meltdown I had was in Ikea because they had this alarm mm-hmm. going off. And um, yeah, I could not get out of there in time. Um, but generally, I, I I cannot I cannot risk that, you know. And right. I'm a mother, so I can get my kids right. taken away. Yeah, and it's something I'm teaching my kids now. Unfortunately, I feel like a meltdown is like when you can't keep all that like mm-hmm. energy in, and a shutdown is when you can't mm-hmm. get it out. But we have to force our meltdowns into shutdowns. It feels terrible. It feels really bad, but it keeps us alive. Yeah. Like some people will get called Karen when they have Mm. meltdowns. But that wouldn't be my fate. What can we do to support our children through meltdowns? Well, prevention is best. um, Because once that energy is in there um it's it's going to come out um i think the best thing is to observe them um so putting yourself in the observer role um first of all keeps you from taking it personally or being embarrassed or listening to the people around you or other family members to just observing the meltdown. You should keep a log of meltdowns. Um, Try to remember what was happening before. How was sleep that day? What were they eating that day? Drinking? Um, uh, You want to know what they what kind of signs they'll give off that it's about yeah. to come. So you want to write that down. 
um, the main thing is because if you can get, if you can figure that out, you can maybe change the situation before it gets to that point. But also, <clears throat> eventually, you know, our kids get bigger. And just like I was saying, you know, we can't, we can't, we can't have the, we can't have these meltdowns after like puberty yeah. or whatever. I mean, you're going to have them, but we, we need to, we need to make sure that they're not getting to the point of making, of having the ones that look like, mm -hmm. like aggression, really. So once you've determined what it looks like for them to melt down, like what are their, what are their stemming behaviors before melting down? Like what is their body doing? Um, we need to mm -hmm. teach our kids to feel that so they can take action before it comes. They need to learn those behaviors. We might record them, record the sounds or whatever, you know, not for public, but just like, you know, something that we can watch back, something that we can um, teach them like, hey, you look like you're, you look like this when you're about to melt down. Yeah. You know, even if, even if he doesn't look like he's mm -hmm. paying attention, you still want to, they still need to know this. It's very important. They need to be able to stop their own meltdown. Okay. We're not going to be with them all the time. Okay. Thank you so much. So um, what advice, as we get ready to wrap up, you've given us so much advice. I feel like everything that you said was just so helpful with understanding. I feel like you are a resource yourself. And um, what other advice would you have for parents who are raising children with autism? Um, mainly to help your kid, you have to help the entire community. If you're just trying to help your own child, that child will not actually be helped because the perception of autism, the stigmas, the stereotypes, your kid will one day have yeah. to deal with those if you're not helping to change those mm -hmm. yourself. So um, working in your local area, um and ensuring communication and education access i i don't this might be another podcast but i i don't know if parents understand that there is a special education to mm -hmm. prison pipeline not just the not just the preschool wow. to prison pipeline and so if you're if you're black, you have both of us to deal with, but um, everybody who has kids that are disabled, no matter what their race, um, they have the obligation to try and understand mm -hmm. that system because it doesn't matter how disabled your family member is, 
whether they're non-speaking autistic or not, they can end up in prison. They can end up with um, only learning life skills and no having no academic wow. skills, having no access to, to communication. So we need to fight all of us for communication and education and access. A lot of parents think life skills are so good, but it's not fair if that's mm. all you're teaching and allowing your kid to be taught. Wow, that's so good. Because I know they have a life skills program at Mason School. They have an autistic program and then they have life skills. So I'm sure that's across this country. And um, yes. It is. And this disabled people who grew up in special, special education will tell you that life skills is run from it. Don't let your kids mm. go to it. So okay. Well, thank you for that. Well, also, also um, fight for a diploma track and not just a uh, okay. certificate. Thank you so much. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much. You have given us so much, and I could talk to you forever and a day, but we want to respect your time. Um, where can the listeners find you on social media? Um, so I am starting to make YouTube videos um, so I can take deeper dives um, into issues like what we have just spoken about. But um, so if you go to Nye Functioning Autism on YouTube or at Nye.Functioning.Autism on Instagram, um, Facebook, or TikTok, that's great. I am usually. Okay. I'm going to go follow you. And I have a website. Okay. It's, it's okay. www.myfunctioningautism.com, but I'm not good at web development. Okay. So Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Parents and everyone listening, do yourself a favor and follow her so that you can continue to be educated. You can ask any questions that you need to, but her reels are so informational. So go ahead and follow and always remember that new episodes are released every Wednesday and you always have the option to choose.